Bibles this morning and go to your New Testament to two passages. Go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, and then 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, and Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. We're going to look at Philippians 4, 10 through 13 first, and then 1 Timothy 6, 6. When you find those passages, let's all stand together. And if your neighbor does not have a Bible this morning, allow them to look on with you as, as we read the scriptures together. Philippians chapter 4. And verses 10 through 13, the Apostle Paul is, is, uh, is speaking, and of course, he, he wrote this. This is one of his prison epistles, so he is writing this from, from a prison. And he says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful. But ye lacked opportunity, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to, be, how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And then turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and look down at verse 6 and let's read that verse together out loud in unison. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. Let's read together. But godliness with contentment is great gain. One more time. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Father, for each one that's here this morning. We pray, Lord, a special blessing on each one that, uh, Lord, the word of God would mean something special to them this morning because of the Holy Spirit of God ministering to their hearts. We ask, God, that, that, uh, uh, that your, your word would, would uh, do a work that only the, the, the word of God can do and we ask, Father, that we would have ears to hear and hearts that are open to truth. Lord, as you speak to our hearts this morning, may we respond to you for us in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Both passages of Scripture have to do with contentment. And this last one that we read is, says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's good to be godly, but it's better to be godly with contentment. Contentment is, a, is, a, is an attribute that, that God speaks of throughout Scripture. And uh, Apostle Paul said, I have learned whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean the state of New York versus the state of Tennessee or North Carolina. Okay, that's it. Talking about whatever condition you are in, uh, that you ought to be content with that condition. And I think it's very, very important to note where he wrote that from. He wrote that from a, a jail. And uh, the jails back then were nothing like the jails we have today. They, they would be like the Ritz today in comparison. Uh, the, the ones back then were, were despicable conditions. And yet, 
uh, he, he said, from that, from that prison, he said, I have learned whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. Uh, when we become discontent, it manifests itself. And it manifests itself in, in three different ways. Uh, the first way is, is worrying. When we worry, basically we're saying that God is not taking care of us, that uh, we are not in the state that we ought to be in, and so therefore we have entered into a state of discontentment. Uh, complaining is, an, is another, an, another sign of the fact that we are not happy with where we are and we're not, we're not, we're not uh, accepting what God has allowed us to, to have in our lives. And then thirdly is covetousness. Uh, when we're covetous, we're, we're constantly wanting more. We want something more than what we already have. And there's, when any of those three things begin to creep into our lives, it, it, there, there are signs of discontentment. Now, the three areas where uh, we need to be content, we're going to look at those three areas this morning. The first one has to do with our possessions. And if you look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we'll read uh, again verse 6, and we'll read down to verse 12. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare, and, and um, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. God, God wants us to be content with the things that, that we have. We're entering into the Christmas season, and uh, this is the time when, when there's a real temptation to uh, be discontent, uh, particularly on Christmas Day when we don't get what we expected to get as a Christmas gift. Uh, th that kind of discontentment can, can uh, creep in very, very subtly. The, the world has a goal, and the, the, the world's goal is to make us discontent. And they do that in, in many different ways. They do that by uh, bringing fads in. Fads never last very long. Uh, they, they come in and, and they, they flash and they glitter and then they're gone. Then they cause us to want to desire to have whatever it is they're offering and then, then it just fades away. Uh, it's, it's a fad. Uh, fashion is, is uh, that way as well. Uh, fashion is, is designed to uh, constantly get us to want to have something more, want to have something different, uh, want to be in tune with, with uh, what everyone else is wearing. And then ads are used uh, to, uh, to, to, to cause us to be discontent. Uh, you know, it, it, you turn on the TV and it tells you you don't have what you deserve. Well, what does that do? Well, that causes you to, 
to be covetous. It causes you to want to have something that you don't have. And uh, uh, I, I learned a long time ago that the uh, appliance industry uh, works in such a way that uh, they are constantly every year adding things uh, to their appliances so that what you have bought last year is now no longer, no, no longer relevant and we need to get something more. You find that with phones, you find that with, with uh, appliances, you find that with cars. Uh, the, the constantly appealing to uh, a, a, an attitude of being discontent with what we already have. The world's goal is to make us discontent. The world's lie is that gain is godliness. You look down in verse 5 of uh, chapter 6, or, yeah, verse 5 of chapter 6, and uh, it says, perverse disputings of men corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. It says, from such withdraw thyself. Uh, it teaches that uh, the more you get, uh, the, more, the, the better you are, the more godly you are. Uh, quality of life is not determined by what you possess. Keep your, fingers, your finger here in 1 Timothy, but go back with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 12. Jesus addressed this subject, Luke chapter 12. And in Luke chapter 12, look down in verse 15. Luke 12, verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Uh, you are not what you own. Uh, you, your, your life does not consist of how much you possess. And yet the world will tell you that that's the case. There's two things we're supposed to do. According to 1 Timothy chapter 6, first of all, we're supposed to flee those things that are materialistic values. Uh, he puts this in the same category as he does in 1 Timothy 2. If you look back in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 22, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2. You're not going to find verse 22 in 1 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. It says, flee also youthful lusts. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them the call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Uh, just like he says to flee youthful lust, he says to flee those, those materialistic values. Uh, and and, and uh, uh, why is it we ought to flee? Well, look down verses 6 or 8. In verse 6 it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Uh, first of all, he says that, that possessions are temporal. Uh, you know, you, you can't take it with you. You've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Never have. Uh, and you never will. You can't take anything with you. And what should we be content with? Well, we ought to have the basest amount of content. In other words, contentment ought to be based upon food and raiment. Uh, we, have, we have clothes to wear, we have food to eat, and, and uh, if, if that's what we have, that's already more than what we deserve, and we ought to be just thankful for that. 
And then the, the next reason why it is so important to flee it, not only because, because possessions are temporal, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Look down at verses 9 and 10. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That doesn't say that it's wrong to have money, but it does say that it's wrong to love that money and uh, that it's the root of all evil. Uh, there, there, you know, there's this thinking that if I just had this much more, uh, I would have less problems. Have you ever noticed that when you get this much more that you don't have less problems, you usually end up having more problems? And he tells us why that is. He says, with riches come difficulties. With riches come other problems that you didn't have when you didn't have the riches. Um, I, I used to, to, to uh, enjoy a saying that uh, Dr. Peter Ruckman used to say often. He said, he said that if it, if it doesn't make sense, there's a buck in it somewhere. Well, that's, that's really true, uh, oftentimes. And uh, it's, it's because the love of money is usually connected with it. Uh, riches bring their own, own set of problems and their own set of temptations. And, and so much so that it can even cause, if it's not responded to properly, it can cause eternal damnation. Uh, Jesus said that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it was for a rich man to enter into heaven. Well, why is that? Well, because those riches grab a hold of you and they own you and they possess you. And uh, so we ought to flee those values. And again, it doesn't mean it's wrong to have money, but it is wrong for the money to have your heart. And when the money gets a hold of your heart, that's when we have problems. And so we're to flee the materialistic values, but we're to follow eternal values. Look down at verses 11 and 12 of 1 Timothy 6. It says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Um, we should follow eternal values, first of all, through, through, through character, through following the right things, through following righteousness, by having a desire to be close to God, to be godly, to be full of faith, to, to have loving attitude, to, to follow after patience and follow after meekness. Uh, what we are is always more important than what we have. And what we have is not what we are because our possessions is, is, does not, do not define us. Our character defines us. So we ought to follow those things that build character. And, and then the second thing that's interesting, right after verse 11, where he says what to follow, in verse 12 he says fight. And he says fight the good fight of faith. They hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. 
Um, we, we grow and we get the right values through conflict, through conflict, through problems, through difficulties, through troubles that come into our lives. Our greatest, our, our greatest lessons are learned as we go through hardships. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul made the comment and at the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith, therefore is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Uh, he was looking forward to seeing his Savior face to face because he grabbed a hold of the right values. He didn't let materialistic values get a hold of him. And, and that's really how one of the ways that God, that God uses to straighten out our value system and to show us what's really important in life is by allowing hardships to come into our life and by allowing difficulties to come. It shows us what's really important. So we ought to, we ought to first, uh, we ought to first uh, be content with our possessions. Secondly, we ought to be content with our position, where we are in life. Uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Contentment has much more to do with just being content with things. It has also to do with being content with position. And when I say position, I mean our abilities, I mean our gifts our talents, the way that God has made us, the way that God has formed us. Uh, some of us have, have more abilities than others. We're going to see that next week uh, when we have our Christmas concert. Uh, there's some, of our, some of our people, some of you folks have got tremendous musical abilities. Uh, some of you can play instruments. Some of you can play more than one instrument. Um, you know, I, I would have a hard time playing one instrument, let, let alone multiple ones. Uh, some of you have very, very good voices and, and very talented. Uh, uh, others, others do not. Uh, be content with what you have. Understand that God has equipped you on purpose to do exactly what he'd have you to do and that you have all that you need and you ought to be content with where you are. That doesn't mean that you don't ever strive to improve in areas of your life. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just talking about just being content with, with where you are. And if you look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want us to, to, to begin in verse, if you would, in verse 12, and we're going to read down a fairly lengthy portion of Scripture down to verse 27. It says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And what he's speaking of there is when a person trusts Christ as Savior, the Spirit of God places you, baptizes you, so to speak, uh, into the body of Christ. It has nothing to do with water. It's a spirit baptism. Verse 14 says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear 
shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. In other words, you are where you are and you have what you have and the abilities that, that, that you possess are the ones that God specifically designed for you. It pleased God to make you just the way you are. And if they were all one member, where were the body? In other words, you've got some things that somebody else needs, and you are essential just the way you are. Um, verse 20, but now are they, they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. In other words, there's no such thing as a necessary member of the body of Christ. And those members of the body, which we, we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Uh, we need to understand that our, our abilities and our gifts, our talents, the way your physical stature, how tall you are, how short you are, uh, it's all been designed by God. And we ought, to be, we ought to be content with who and what we are. Uh, realize God is sovereign and he is, he's the highest authority. He can do as he pleases, and he does. Down in, in verse uh, you know, 18, it says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So you are the way that you are because that is what pleased God. And to complain or to question uh, about our position is really to question God. And you don't want, you, you don't want to, you don't want to, fall into that category. Uh, we, get, we get discontent when we start looking at other people and seeing what they have. One of, one of the things I have seen, I have noticed um, over the years has grown is this idea of envy and jealousy of other people. Uh, why don't I have what they have? Why is my situation not like their situation? I'll, I'll tell you very, very plainly why your situation is not like their situation. It's because where you are is what pleases God. And the way God has, 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 has formed you and made you to be what you are and placed you where you are is what pleases him. And we're more concerned about being like what, what other people are or having what other people have Rather than pleasing God, and our, our, you know, one of the one of the 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 key 
the key attitudes of contentment is wanting to please God first and foremost. And if we have that desire, then that will help us with our contentment. The Bible says comparing themselves among themselves, they were not wise. And then, then we need to realize that you don't deserve to be where you are anyway. Uh, you don't deserve to have what you have. Uh, I don't deserve to be a part of, of the body of Christ. I don't deserve to be a preacher. Uh, I don't deserve to, to have the kind of family that I have. I, I don't deserve all the, the luxury. And, and I mean that. I mean that with all my heart. Uh, I know who and what I am. I am a sinner. I'm a sinner who has violated God's law over my lifetime, and I deserve to die and spend eternity in hell. I'll not do that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. And all God's people said, <laughs> yeah, amen, that's good. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, I don't deserve anything else I have either. And when you, when you look at it from that perspective, it really changes uh, the way that you look at things, and it makes you become content with where you are. Uh, we need to realize that, that every member of the body is necessary. You are needed just as you are. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't, you don't improve your situation. If it's possible, improve it. Of course you do. But, but uh, you, you, can't, you can't function properly. You can't fulfill the, uh, the purpose that God has for you if you're not content. I've, I've never seen people with envy and jealousy really greatly used of God. I really haven't. Uh, because it, it hampers them, it stymies them. They think that they are incomplete. You're not. You're not. You know, one of the... One of the, the uh, things that the Bible teaches is that when we, when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that we are complete in Him. In other words, we're exactly what God wants us to be, exactly where God wants us to be. We need to be content with it, find out what our purpose is, and then fulfill it. And so we're to be content with our, with our possessions. We ought to be content with our position. And then the last thing we ought to be content with is, is our providence. Uh, go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And you know exactly where I'm going to go. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. Romans chapter 8, and verses 28 through 30. Verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Um, this is talking about uh, circumstances that come into our lives that are ordained by God. And we ought, to be, we, ought to be, we ought to be content with God's choices in our lives. Throughout, throughout life, different things happen. Uh, things that, you know, we would categorize them as, as, as blessings and adversities. 
there's times when we get tremendous blessings. We don't deserve those either. But, but they come into our life because God has ordained them to come. And then there's also adversities that come into our life and sometimes great sadness that comes into our life. But understand that, that God has a plan. And in verse 28, it says that all things work together for good. Uh, it, the, the, the purpose of things happening in your life the way that they do is because God has a plan. And he wants to fulfill that plan. And he wants to fulfill that plan in you. I'll tell you right now that anytime I have gotten discontent with what God has allowed to come into my life, my, the, 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 the working of God and the plan of God in my life comes to a screeching halt because I am not content with where God has put me and where God has placed me. Um, be careful. Uh, as, as you get older, uh, one of the things that I'm learning is that uh, you lose some things. You lose some abilities, you know, when... Uh, We've got a, a kind of a running joke in our in our family uh, with our with with my wife and I and with with uh, Joel and, and Tina's family. Back years ago, we had a chance to go on vacation together, and Silas uh, and I went out for a walk together. And Silas said, uh, and, and this is after I got my drop foot. And uh, Silas said, "Hey, Grandpa." He says, I'll race you to that car. And he pointed to a car down the road. I just looked at him. I says, no, sorry, Grandpa don't run no more. <laughs> and he, and he, I don't, I don't. Uh, I found out something else too. Grandpa don't bowl no more. Uh, when you got dry foot, there ain't no bowling, man. They, you, you, don't, you don't bowl, you just gutter ball it. That's all you do. You just gutter ball it. Uh, th those things change. All right, how are you going to handle those changes? Truth of the matter is, they happen when, they're, when we're old. They happen when we're young. Folks, I lost my mom at, nine, at eight years old. Uh, that was a change in my life. Uh, that was something that was out of my hands. What do you do with that kind of stuff? Well, the Bible says, Whatsoever state I am in, therewith I've learned to be content. Uh, realize that God's got a plan, and it's all part of the plan, and he's working it together for good. You know what that takes? It takes faith. <laughs> it just takes faith. Just believing that God knows what he's doing. And the Bible says he's got a purpose down in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He wants to make us more like Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole plan. That's why God brings into your life what he brings in. That's why he brings in the, the, the blessings. That's why he brings in the adversity. It's because he's trying to form us and make us to be more like, like the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, then the last thing is, is the power of God. Down in verse 30, it says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. He allows it and, and those things to happen in our lives, and he works through it. And it's God who does the work. It's God who does the work. 
So when, when, when you really understand that there are no accidents in the Christian life, there is no happenstance in the Christian life, everything happens because it's part of a plan. Everything happens because it's part of his purpose. When we grab a hold of that concept, then we can be content with the providence that God has placed into our lives. We need to be content with his providence, content with our position, content with our possessions. Are you right now, where you sit, content with what you have, with where God has placed you, with the type of person that God has made you to be? And when I say that, I, again, I know there's always room for improvement. I understand that. But are you content with where God has placed you in life? Or do you find yourself always wanting more, always wanting things to be different, always wanting things to change? Or do we accept what God has given to us? And the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the admonitions of being content. We're entering into a season of time where it's easy to be discontent. It's easy to, to want more and to get caught up in materialistic values. It's easy in the society that we live in to be discontent with who we are and the abilities that we have. It's, uh, it's, it's easy, Lord, when adversity comes into our life to be, become grumbling and complaining because we don't like the hand that has been dealt to us. Father, help us regardless of the possessions, regardless of the position, regardless of the providence. Help us, Lord, to realize it's all part of your plan and we need to be content because those things were handed to us by you. Father, please work in our hearts this morning. Maybe there's, there's some folks that are, there, that are uh, grappling with some discontent. Maybe there's some complaining. Maybe there's some, some, uh, uh, some things that are in their lives. Maybe, it's, maybe there's a love of money that's there. It's easy, to, it's easy to gravitate to any of those things. But Father, I pray that this morning you grab a hold of our hearts and speak to our hearts, and as you do so, may we surrender to you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.